everybody the blurred lines is your man cam with me as always is the other cam the well-informed hater as well as the living anti-life equation known as josh <laughs> and without further ado always keeping us sober who else is left the professor your resident <laughs> reality check and we are back in full squad you know, it's been it's been the last couple of months. Everyone's been running around, but uh, we're all here. We're gonna do kind of catch up on some of the news that's been going on. But the biggest thing has been that the writer strike has now ended. It lasted about what five months, just about something like that. And yeah, something like five months. And so um, now, who who won, guys? <laughs> Well, according to Vox and almost every other media outlet you look at that's reporting on it, the writers won. Um, and I think that that's from what I'm seeing in the in the agreement and the outline that they have pretty much won because I think the biggest deal, the biggest issue for most writers were the streaming uh uh, residuals and lack thereof, you know, all these, uh, all of the conglomerates, the big, uh, the big studios were making tons of money off of, uh, streaming and how, and if you think about it, we're just talking about this now because of the, the freshness of the agreement, but the streaming itself has been going on for almost what, almost a decade now. I mean, no more. Oh uh, wait, was the last. Uh, what was the last writer strike? And uh, it they struck over no provisions for streaming, right? For, uh, for right. streaming, yeah, right, right. Because that was when uh, Netflix had started doing the streaming. They were the first, uh, and then. But quickly after that, HBO Go became an in prime and then all these. So oh, no, back it up a little bit. Remember, this was this was um, when networks started. Oh, streaming yeah, that's was right. the thing. Because remember, the, so and so the big one was um, Heroes was probably the most watched television series of the time in 08. And they started that was one of the first uh, one of the first shows that started streaming back then and it was the big to do because writers were not getting a single cent over uh off of streaming and they were advertising like much like they're doing now was the infancy of of advertising in between acts for like 30 second you know 30 second spots like you know two or three advertisers so it's barely even you know let's call it a minute to a minute and a half not even the two minutes 30 seconds that you usually get on television um, and they're getting ad revenue hand over fist and not paying writers. So that was what the first strike was about. And so the second strike, this most recent one, and I'll let you finish, uh, D'Angelo. Uh, the second strike, the most recent one, it was more about updating the provisions since then, because what it was back then is radically different from what it is now uh, or what, what it was before the before the strike, where. You know, you writers are getting pennies on the dollar. Like the writers for the suits, writers the writers for suits. This is mo the most arguably not arguably the most streamed anything of the time. <laughs> so weird. Um, of the current day was uh, I think a writer's check was like for like yep. two thousand dollars, which is absurd considering that millions of people are streaming the show. Um, but yeah, D'Angelo, please go ahead, go ahead and pick up where you left off. 
Uh, well, I think you pretty much covered most of what I was going to say anyway, because I remember it a little differently. I don't remember Heroes as being the sort of um, the sort of uh, jumping off point or the the nexus. But there were a lot of shows that are cited as the the sort of breaking point or nexus or that were affected by that OH strike. I'm thinking Heroes, uh Supernatural was a, was affected. They had all these shows either either pushing Yo, days pushing and things days, like that. Entirely either went away entirely or they uh got shortened seasons. But I remember what I was saying as far as the streaming is I remember a couple years after that, after the, the agreement was was all solid, is when Netflix launched its streaming platform. And then you got the other platforms uh, to cut. Because I remember the thing that really, the thing that really built Netflix streaming platform was not an original show of its own. Yeah, it was Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah. <laughs> because Breaking Bad right. was, it was one of the first series that was available yeah. to binge. Remember Breaking Bad? That's when binging yeah. Breaking Bad. Uh, I was Mad gonna say uh, West Wing was another right. one of them. It, it was a lot. It was a lot of the West, legacy oh, yeah. shows, but Breaking Bad was the first one because because and Friends as well. Actually, because it was a big deal when they got Friends. Mm. But I remember, yeah, I remember that because when because Breaking Bad that was the first one that was still going, and then people could catch up. So then when pe- people got on Netflix, yeah. binge Breaking Bad. Oh, this show is amazing! And then when it dropped, their their viewership increased. I remember that. Yeah, because I did the same thing. I didn't watch Breaking Bad the first three seasons on AMC. I watched in retrospect on same here. binging it, streaming it on uh, on Netflix. And by the time I finished that third season, the fourth season was a premiering on AMC. And part of me wanted to just the wait, yeah, for yeah, it yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> In order to binge it, but it was going to be a while, and I knew that there would there was no way I wouldn't have that ruined for me. So, um, but anyway, just say all that to say that this new agreement is trying to shore up what the writers will get in terms of streaming features. You know, their accelerated payment structure they got uh, looks like what I'm uh, they they specifically put in the provision for it's like the fifth <laughs> one for uh artificial intelligence like they're really trying to drive that home but I encourage people to let take a look at this um this uh the summary of the the 2023 WGA NBA agreement because it gives a lot of insight into because I remember hearing and reading and seeing people say oh well these writers they make a lot of money anyway or why are they complaining about it? and people getting upset of course because some of their favorite shows were either being uh put on long hiatus or going away entirely. Um, but if you look at this agreement, you see the reason why these conversation this conversation had to be had. You know, you, you talk about so as a writer producer, can you break down in short layman's terms what it was versus what it is now? Well, I think I don't want to go. I don't want to specifically say what it was because honestly, I'm wasn't a part of. I'm not a part of the the WGA. So okay. that that agreement is the older agreement 
I mean, I looked at it years ago, but I don't know specifically what was in it that was different from. I know that there that now they have the again the artificial intelligence. They're trying to shore up a lot of the streaming uh, residuals, and but they're every, all of this stuff is very specific. Like you know, uh, the the studio makes a lot off of almost yeah. everything, whereas sure. the writer the writer should technically be making the same thing off of like everything. They create the characters and the characters are used for all these other things. They so should be paid well, for that. Well, what I would if say they, is, so now that we're in a new era of how we're creating these content and stuff, do you think, I mean, I think the, now that they've new renegotiated everything else, brought in all the um, AI stuff and all that, do you think the model, the old model of how it used to be where like, you know, cause before, if you're a writer, you wrote for a show, you got paid for the show. And then you got your residuals. And then if it went into syndication, say for the, it was a sitcom, it got, it got up to a hundred episodes. Then like, you know, we had, you know, there's tons of stories for writers and actors that are living off of the residual checks from, you know, who's the boss or the Cosby show or whatever. So now that this model has kind of shifted in terms of how they create content, how they put it, do you think there's, do you think there's going to have to be a new way to do it? Do you think that there'll always be that residual situation or do you think there's going to be another conversation where like, that's not going to happen anymore? Like almost that work for hire. Cause I think that's where the studios are trying to go to. And I think it's very interesting because the, the tech, one of the things I was telling to one of my friends, I was like, people keep thinking of this against the studios, but it's actually also against tech companies. And so it's like Netflix and Amazon, they could shutter their, their entertainment situation and they are still be fine. Exactly. So the studios, I actually agree. I think that's, that's actually a good, but I think there's going to be a very interesting thing of how they're, how I'm curious to see how these tech companies are going to get around some of the AI AI type stuff, because I'm, I'm really curious how they're going to enforce it. And like, what's going to be the first one that's going to get that, like that lawsuit or whatever, or that situation. Cause I'm like, it's dope that they won quote unquote, but I'm, I'm really curious to see now what's the next thing because technology is going to go faster than we're going to catch up to it. And they're not going to make laws until at least another two years to uh, even, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think there's it's going to be up to uh, early on is it's going to be the 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 honor system, right? Because Crazy. you can't really that is not um, a business model. <laughs> but you're right, though. You're right. Yeah, but you're going to go. It's going to go back to tech is probably going to be able to take advantage because then they'll write some kind of algorithm or something that could detect if, if the script was written by artificial intelligence. I don't know if that's possible. I'm just saying like strange things have happened. We've seen we I'm even seeing like a commercial of robots playing kickball like this is uh this is the world that we're in. And like you said, tech is going faster than than what our minds experiences are, are being able to, to keep up with. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if I think during those early years when something would go in syndication, you, you could regulate, you could, studios weren't paying as much because those were far and few in between. Right. So every network had probably one or two hits. They didn't have a whole slew of hits. (laughs) Like if you, if you look at um, Amazon now, they got the boys. They got uh, uh, Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings. Like these shows, by objective measures or by objective uh, observations, are hits that you can see being uh, licensed to other platforms or running on in syndication on TV. So all of those things 
add up to what do you have to pay the writer versus what you're not paying them. It, 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 Seinfeld right now, for example, is 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 on Hulu, Netflix, um, and if I'm not mistaken, it's still running yeah. in syndication. Now, this yes. is a show that has been in syndication yep. since it's it been, ended. We had like 15 years before. now, probably something like that. <laughs> Again, like, yeah, that's why Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David, when you see them, they're like just doing whatever the hell they want because those two, because they are credited as creators, they're technically, of course, they had a team of writers, but it all yeah. comes back to them. They are the ones that had yeah. the. And I think the that's, and that's what I'm wondering too, because I think that's why it's like, it's good that they won. In this respect, because I think now we have like at least we have a starting point. But I'm really curious because I think yeah. that's a part that I was trying to explain this to my friend. Um, he's a stuntman, and, and I was telling him I was like, "Yo, man, technology goes faster than contracts." <laughs> so it's like, and and I think oh, yeah. that's a part and, that people forget. So like, like just like you said, the last writer strike, like that was at the beginning of streaming. Now here we are, almost what almost ten years later, and it went in places we never even thought would happen. Well, yeah, and, I don't think anyone then could have said saw yeah. where we are now. They know to, to your to your point, Cam. I mean, the almost the the ink wasn't even dry on the '08 contract, and things changed that year. Yep, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm I'm really curious to see. Um, the other thing that came up that we were um, that we were going to talk about was the uh, oh the expose on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> basically confirming what we already knew but it was nice to see it in in long form uh, journalistic uh, preview yeah that <laughs> all of us we all knew that like that shit happened but then it was like oh no 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 actually it did it cost this much this is how many times they did it like wait what? let me explain this in sports terms for those that may not be familiar um this is like the equivalent of the celtics ref uh literally hating on certain teams because he's a fan of a certain team and what translates to rotten tomatoes which always smell a rotten and something was a rotten in Denmark if you catch my drift is that uh, like I, I would see a movie and just based off like the trailer is supposed to be the hook right it, ca- it captures you now it's not a uh, one for one translation of how well a movie should do but I consider myself a good judgment of character when I see a trailer and I can be like, yo, this movie's going to be trash or it's just not my cup of tea. And I always had that one friend of mine that comes up, but Rotten Tomatoes said it was good. I was like, and like, who cares? Right. So what's been going on with Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, the short end of it is that Rotten Tomatoes apparently has uh, a stable of critics who give favorable reviews and Kind of, payola, yeah, kind of like payola in a sense. They uh, there's a there's a uh, a company called I think Bunker Fifteen, and I think they pay fifty dollars to their critics, but they want favorable reviews. And and they say, Ron Tomato says every critic is can write whatever they want, but what happens is they take their overall negative criticism of a movie and put it on a smaller blog where it'll never see the light of day. And what you see is kind of like. I don't know if Yelp works like this, but like you only see positive reviews. 
uh, you know, one of the dead giveaways when I seen like GI Joe got a favorable review, I was like, oh no, nah, this is come on, man. Like, I think I think mine was when it was like, uh, was it critic review is like ninety two and the audience review is like yeah. eleven. So <laughs> I was like, wait, so what? So, something wasn't adding up. You know, it doesn't. If you just kind of go by that and you're just a casual movie goer, maybe that plays some some weight on determining if a movie is good or not. But like. People are spending their hard earned cash on what they think is good, and it's like not really good. And you come out leaving like, man, th- this review said this. And I've been saying it for years. A lot of us have been saying it for years that never go by Rotten Tomato. Ultimately, if you think a movie is going to be good or bad, it's up to you to go see the movie. You know. However, we do have to take into account that we do want to take trusted friends, word of advice, who you, who you be like, yeah, I trust this dude's or this person's opinion. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. And if Rotten Tomatoes supports that, even better. But Rotten Tomatoes has basically only wanted to push the good critiques of certain films so they can get distributed distribution deals and whatnot and basically taking all the negative reviews and kind of they don't necessarily uh, make them disappear. They just put them on sites that you'll never see it. And those and those critics Uh that are that are writing these negative reviews uh are getting pushed to the side. Like they're not getting a shine because it's an honest opinion of a certain movie. Yeah. It's kind of weird too, because I remember, I think D'Angelo, we had talked to us like way back, but we're talking about how, you know, thing about Rotten Tomatoes, this is an open forum. It's like anyone can write a review. And so it's like, you know, if, you know, if D'Angelo is a scholar and does all that stuff and he watches a movie and he gives his expert opinion as a, as a film person and, you know, whatever. And then I'm over here just like, I like Toxic Avenger. And I was like, well, this is a four star movie. Then this, this, and that, blah, 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 blah. And ours are literally weighted at the exact same time. Even if, even yeah. if D'Angelo has like a hundred previous reviews and I have two. And I think the part about Rotten Tomatoes who messed that up is like, then there's really no experts or no like, you know, profession or anything like that. Cause you would, I would see some of the like critics, yeah. like they actually am a critic as a job or they, or I shouldn't even say that they have a blog and then now a film critic, <laughs> but it was just so crazy. Cause you're right. I would see the weight. There was no waiting about anything. So it's almost like it really was like, Yelp. I think oh, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. It's like you. Every, I was just gonna say really quick. All of it, based on what you just said, is is the reason why we are where we are with Rotten Tomatoes and many other things. Because YouTube University, everybody feel like they can flip to YouTube, and and all of a sudden they they're expert in whatever it is they decide at that moment. Then you got again, like you said, you cannot weigh. The criticism, something written, an essay written in formal academic sense with something that somebody just barely they barely put an actual sentence together and posted it on Rotten Tomatoes. And they put you Grammarly. They put those right next to (laughs) and weigh them the same. Like you can't do that. But that's where we are. So, Cam, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it that Rotten Tomatoes was the one that was shunting the 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 reviews, or was it the PR firm that they had hired that they hired for for certain reviews, and they were the ones that were shunting off um, the the so it seems the, like the, the negative when reviews? And a, a movie or a movie gets unfavorable reviews. I think Rotten Tomatoes goes through a third party service, and what they do is they wrangle critics who are willing mm-hmm. to give a fluff piece. And Rotten Rotten Tomatoes is willing to promote uh, those critics 
over the ones that are because what, what happens was there was a story in this artist vulture article where the guy was like hey what happens if i write a negative review because there's repercussions not in the sense that you're gonna like never write sure. a review but they're just gonna pretty much put you in the shadow realm and you'll never see like it'll never be shown in the light of day type <laughs> of deal you know um because they, they said uh bunker 15 mm-hmm. and uh uh rotten tomatoes has said and i quote one second um one second sorry about that let me go back <sighs> Oh, sorry about that. Oh, well, yeah, it, it's it's wild that they, you know, that that it, it's wild that we that that most people, most discerning people, I should say, have uh, have always been like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is kind of like, you know, whatever. Like, I don't really, I don't really trust Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes sus, you know, and, and we always posited without necessary proof. But we always posited that, you know, Rotten Tomatoes probably, you know, does exactly the thing that they've been accused of. We've been saying that, you know, in private conversations for how yeah. many years Well, now? and also, too, um, you know, I was double checking on another article where they're interviewing someone. And they're basically were like, every view on the site is classified as either rotten or fresh, good or bad, positive or negative. Then Rotten Tomatoes scores a score for a movie is calculated by just basically dividing the number of positive reviews by total reviews. And that's it. There's absolutely no attempt to gauge enthusiasm of a review. So if a movie is really positive or a little positive, it just counts all the same and it just counts as fresh. So there's really no discernible anything. It's literally just a big dump of everyone can review. So with that being said, you can easily skew it one way or the other. One way or the other. Because in that you you're mixing in legitimate reviews written by people who can read versus those written by people who probably barely made it out of third grade. I'm just saying Jeez. like that, all of that. And then you add that up and divide it by whatever, all of what comes out yep. on the end of the end of that is an and, equation and, of shit. That's, that's and then also, <laughs> yeah, like you said, going back to what I was saying earlier about how, you know, they're all weighted the same. And, you know, in this article, someone said they're like, uh, well, they say, oh, I'm going to lose some friends here. But Paddington, Two is up there with Citizen Kane. <laughs> and it says it is good as wow, wow. but that's a great example of like literally anyone could do a hot take. And then now Paddington, Two has, yeah. you know, a fresh meter of like 98 percent. And Citizen Kane is like 94 so, percent because I didn't like it was so black and white. Is- <laughs> and did you yeah, so it's, it's, the article uh, you were looking for? The more input from the different cities is a not so subtle code for a perspective, uh, prospective critic. And they asked what would happen if they hated the film. Bunker 15 employee replied that, of course, journalists are free to write whatever they like, but the super nice ones and there are more critics than they thought were expected in this list that do this often agreed not to publish bad reviews on their usual websites, but instead quarantine them on a smaller blog that uh, never no one never sees. He wow. said, I think it's a very cool thing to do. If done right, the trick would help ensure that Rotten Tomatoes log positive reviews, but not negative ones. And so this reminds me of a parallel universe of how the music game runs in fake streams and like you're not like really mm, listening yeah. and there's this uh not to yep. sidetrack but there's a thing where the streaming thing where it's like a they pay a person who has a gazillion phones all streaming yep. these songs and it's not real streams it's just someone's being paid you know it's payola yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> right 
And, and every every corner of everything, yeah. it's another way of juking stats. At, That's at all the end it of the day, is. Like, yeah. This is what's wrong right. with the art form itself. We've simplified it into more mm-hmm. of a fast food instead of going out, doing the work, being a fan, enthusiast. I, I say to those people who may feel jaded or feel lost in the system of how movies are being critiqued for a quote unquote trusted source is to have your own formula of what you deem is, is good, you know, to bring, bring uh, our yeah, back. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say this, this is happening a lot. in like, I think all art forms where the, the art is now being informed on how it's being consumed. And so, especially when it comes to social media, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, are you an artist or are you a content creator? And what is that difference and all that kind of stuff? And so that leads from regular, regular art, like drawing, painting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, com- I mean, um, uh, music artists and that kind of stuff. And so there's this interesting situation right now is because things are so digestible and people are consuming it at an alarming rate. Like, are you doing it for the likes and the clicks or are you doing it because you like doing it and then you put it out for people to like consume? And I think these types of things of gaming the system like actually like hurt that. And I was noticing this another tangent, but I was talking to younger DJs. I've been DJing for 20 plus years. And now these DJs are all in their 20s, like between 24 to 26, 27, maybe been DJ in a year, maybe two, the barrier to entry to play music, I'm not even call it problem DJs, is really easy now. You basically spend about 200 bucks, 250, get a controller, connect it to your laptop, boom, now you can go play at a bar or something like that. But what I noticed was that their motivation for getting into the craft is different because they at, the, at that point, they're not even looking at it as craft. They're kind of just like, I want to play music for my friends. Hey, that's completely cool. Oh, hey, now I'm going to get paid to play music for my friends in a public space. Hey, now I'm a DJ. I got a, I got a business. And then when and then talking to some of the younger ones, I was being more curious as opposed to being judgmental. And I was asking them, these these are house DJs, more specifically in tech, tech house. And I was like, hey, do you guys go like you live in New York City? There's tons of house music parties, there's house dancers, there's all these things. You guys seek seek them out, learn to listen to other DJs. There's plenty of DJs that play. And they're kind of like, nah, just like being in my little bubble. <laughs> and but I, I saw that their motivations were different, where you know, filmmakers, you know, like, was it Stanley Kubrick said, you want to learn how to uh, make a film, pick up a camera and start shooting. <laughs> and, and I think that, that the, the connection to the craft because technology and the easy access is so easy, it's starting to wither a little bit where a lot of the, a good swath of people that are getting into this are doing it not because they want to get better. They just want to have another objective or whatever. And I think things like this is being exposed, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, a lot of the stuff with social media now, um, folks are like, there's a slight backlash, but then the people that are really dope are still killing it. But it's really interesting to see the younger generation and how they approach um, all these things, all these artistic things that we, we we hold really high in terms of craft and all that. Mm -hmm. And we have capitalism that informs all this stuff as well. I mean, capitalism says if it makes money, it's, it's good. It's successful. It it is great. But But to be honest, and as reality says, that just because some a bunch of people pay for something does not make that thing art or doesn't make it whatever it is that if a person did that just because they wanted to do it because it was a passion and they didn't expect any money, then and that that mode of production doesn't mean it's going to be good either or it's going to be art. But the difference between the two is that when 
the person that does it just out of passion with no money or guarantee, whether it's good or bad, will not be acknowledged. But the person that a bunch of idiots paid to pay for it and, and padded their 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 bank account will be called. Oh, yeah. this is great. This is this is art. This is this is where it's at. This is the next yeah. thing. Yeah, it's weird because you know before the gatekeeping came from either a team of elders or technology or whatever, and now those barriers are starting to erode. So now that everybody can do it. Everyone's doing it to various levels of degrees of goodness, you know, and so yeah. it's annoying, but it's one of those things that, you know, sure. at now that we're getting up there in age in terms of us being these creative spaces, it's interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, because we saw the birth of the age of information, and now we're living in its yeah. in its apex, and and maybe yeah, not even in its yeah. apex. I don't, I can't even imagine where it's going now with AI and all that stuff. But having to live with that world and in that age of information now, it's just like um, same thing with with racism and all kind of other things. If, if everything is racism, then what is racism? If every if every day is a sunny day, then what is a sunny day you get what I'm right if everybody's a dj what is a fucking filmmaker you know <laughs> it's, 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 you know uh yeah <laughs> sorry i got sidetracked uh, never mind i just posted something and it just threw me off so uh <laughs> well all right. So one one of the other things that we have been doing um, of lately, too, is because there's been a uh, speaking of content, like a slew of content has been coming out. Like there's like almost too much. This is happening in video games. It's happening in TV. And so not all of it's good and not all of it. We all want to watch. So because of that, that's why we that's why we start doing one man reviews where people will sit here and they'll watch things on their own, come back to us and either give it, you know, recommend us that we go watch it or just be like, I did it because you so you didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, so there's, some, so there's certain things that I know, like D'Angelo will never watch, even if he was uh, strapped to a chair and and tortured. But <laughs> I bite my tongue off. Hey, I, I, I don't but, think this list is like not as bad, man. We didn't really have to take that long arduous walk. Yeah, this one was good. This one was good. No, no, no. Yeah. This, this Nah, this one nah, so we'll do round table. We'll go round robin. I'll go first. I'll try to keep it short. Um, so what I watched was The Adventures of Superman on HBO Max. It's uh, the one of the newer uh, cartoons. Anything from DC animated that is a serial thing, I judge it from zero to Young Justice because that is my 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 apex for it. <laughs> And, metric, um, that, that and so metric. on the positive end, um, characters, it was basically they tried to do more on the on the anime style for some parts of it was good. Some parts of it was bad, but I think in general that was like, and their demographics were definitely for the more of the teens and all that kind of stuff in terms of the whimsicalness, the voice casting was actually really, really good. Our man Boimir from uh lower decks is a, uh, is a uh, Clark and uh Superman, which was cool. It was, yeah. Oh, really? They got Jack yeah. Quaid as, as, as Clark. <laughs> hey, hey, Boimler yeah, is not worked. a bad it actually voice actor. And the reason why I say it works is because they did. They basically did Clark fresh, like just coming into um, Metropolis. Him and Lois and Jimmy are all interns. It makes it easier. Mm-hmm. It makes it fun and whimsical. You know, it's very. You know, all the everyone in the background is perfe- perfectly placed POCs and freaking. You know, us. Uh, Clark saves a baby and it's the, the couple is a lesbian couple or something like that. So all that stuff's in there. Um, the one thing they did do that I thought that was cool is they, they, they were, they strayed away from all the A-list villains. So they use a lot of uh, B and C list, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, 
uh, like Silver Banshee, Roadhouse, Roadhouse um, Livewire. Like they oh. were, they were, they went straight oh, wow. from the bottom and then, put, yeah, mixed, mixed. Livewire is about yeah high C. I'll give her that. She but like Silver she Banshee, and Roadhouse. Those are like, um, yeah, but yeah, those, yeah, um, no. That's, so they did some really good, interesting things with that. Um, they did a good job of weaving in um, uh, Lois Lane's dad as general. Um, his partner was his like like ride or die was Waller. They're you know going against the aliens. Blah blah blah. The missteps I would say is that Deathstroke is in there and he's like a kid with I don't know. It was just stupid. Like it just it was just his design didn't make no sense and him being there didn't make no sense. Um, Waller was Waller light. At least she was kind of thicker. So at least, you know, fat Waller still survives. <laughs> yeah, man. Yep. You the best with one, though. Yeah. Uh, it is, yeah. It is the yeah. best incarnation of, of Amanda Waller. CCA's I will grant you that. Yeah. Like, like that woman the best. is like the best, the best. Amanda Waller. So ever. I would say in, in the, in the eight, Amen. I think it was eight, eight to nine episodes, maybe even 10. Um, what I liked about it was they did a really good job of world building and kind of introducing a, a Clark from, and it's, it's been a long time since Superman's had a cartoon in probably like 10, 15 years now, actually. Um, so I think they did a good job. Well, yeah. Superman, yeah. uh, I think it was something like that. Yeah. Or JLL, JLU. Yeah, ninety two. No, JL, JL, yeah, that would be the. Well, no, Solo would be the last. The last Solo because there's been a lot of. Would be the the animated series, yeah. So they did. I would say they did a good job of overall building a new type of world within this DC animated. The anime style it takes you get used to if you're if you're a big anime fan. Eh, it's like it's like anime yes. light. They did a decent job of like faking it. Um, if you couldn't buy into it, like Josh would say, there's no way. Like I wouldn't recommend this for anime fans. Not, you could just go watch better anime. But I would say for for a DC outing and to do um, in our post like Young Justice world, it was like a solid three three and a half. Like you know, you can have it on in the background or something like that. They're, they did some interesting things, but nothing nothing like in terms of their world building was better than their character uh, development. But I think like in general, I think it was a solid take. Hmm. Yeah, I did not enjoy it. Um, not not to horn it on the one man interview uh, a review, but I I couldn't make it past like the third or fourth episode. It was a little too childlike for my sensibilities, and but which is good because at the end of the day, if it's oriented for kids, you want you want something that represents a time honored brand like mm. a Superman. Yep. To pull in yep. little kids. So if that's their entry point and then, you know, that inspires a kid to go buy a comic yeah. book, then I mean, I'm all that's for good. it. That's it's just not for me. It. Um, uh, let's kick it to D. Which, which, what were you watching? Oh, uh, so I watched uh, this past week, I, I watched Gen B, which uh, for those of you who are listening and don't know, it's the spinoff to The Boys. And it's uh, it's a spinoff to The Boys. And it, it's it uh, it's about young. It's like a YA story, which most of you guys know I don't really like young adult <laughs> stories like that. It has to be exceptional for me to like really get into it. Um, but this was, I would say early impressions, there's four episodes. Um, it's really good. I, I like it 
so far a lot better than I like the boys. Um, because the boys was is sort of a highfalutin plot. You know, there's not a lot of character development. And you guys know I love the balance between character and world building. And Gen V, uh, it posits itself in a way that allows um, these young heroes to to grow and not be already. So, for example, immediately when we meet Homelander and all those heroes and, and even the boys, the impression you get almost instantly is these are these characters are completely unlikable. Like they, like they are like people that you would never want to be around. Not just because they have powers that could kill you in the blink of an eye, but like because they're just they're just assholes, right? Even even the the car, the members of the boys are are not you know people that you would like want to be around at all. At least not me. I mean, I'm just saying, but. With these, uh, the new characters, the young characters, and um, they establish a likability about these characters and they put them in a way. Uh, a lot of it is metaphor. So, like, for example, Jazz Sinclair plays Marie Moreau, which I love because it's it's it's. It's supposed to be uh, inspired by Marie Laveau, the uh, the voodoo queen of Louisiana, and her power is she's. How would you describe this? She can control, manipulate blood. Literally, her power is activated, and she realizes when she had her first period, and her mom comes into the room. And there's uh, blood like just in the air. And then the mom opens the door, freaks out, and she turns the blood into like a chrysalis and it goes right through a throat. Damn, what, are you, throat. what are you watching again? <laughs> so, that's a very that's a very yeah. the boys type it's, of thing to have happen it's, it's we'll a, that's that. why I said but they built up to that moment like when we first encounter the boys TV series it's almost from the very beginning it's instantaneous just, it's just yeah. yeah full yeah. throttle and it, literally a train yeah. runs through <laughs> The woman and yeah. disintegrates. And, and honestly, and that's like, what that was the whole point of the boys for from the, from the writer's standpoint. They yeah. he, they he did a stint yeah. in DC, did a stint in Marvel, was pissed off, and was like, "Yo, I need to do something that's the exact opposite of everything I've been working on for the last ten years." And like from jump, he was like, "This yeah. is gonna be gross, blood, guts, this, that, and it's gonna be you know." I'm like, I don't really care about the, the character. I have character development, but it's not, that's not the what, what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't what he was focused on, but this show is actually character driven. So we again, when we first meet mm. these characters, the the main protagonist, she's <clears throat> excuse me, she's at a vulnerable stage in her life, and this happens, and she literally kills both her parents instantly, not even by trying to, like just freaking out and her powers going out of control. And then her sister, her little sister, sees her sitting with her dead parents and blood everywhere. And she like thinks immediately that her sister's a monster and like that kills her. So fast forward, the motivation, the stakes for Marie are already there. They just put it out. 
She's mm. trying to manage her powers so she can become a superhero so that she could change the perception of her sister and reunite that her the perception that her sister has that she's a monster and try to reunite with her. So immediately they give you reasons to care about these kids. And I thought that was a better approach than the boys. Yes, we're getting still the the uh the visceral uh create incredibly creative, insanely creative ways to destroy a human body. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm telling you, there's some stuff in this show that's like, I can't believe they, they did that. Like, I, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous, yeah. and Amazon is just letting them yep. go. Yep, one hundred percent. And that's how and that's how they're differentiating themselves from the MCU and DCU. So that's yeah. smart. It's smart in that respect because, like, yeah. the, you know, just like how people have embraced that and Invincible, like they're they're going to kind of keep that keep that like energy the whole time. Like, mm. yo, know, this is not Superman. This is not Batman. This is not the X Men. This oh, is yeah. uh, uh, this is if you were if you as a regular person got here uh, powers, what would you do? Probably be an asshole <laughs> and it also it also speaks heavily to the way capitalism is involved in almost every aspect of our lives and and no matter what you do in the sense that marie wants to be a hero all these characters want to be heroes but they're products first of a brand and like the boys has been really good at showing bought as that sort of evil empire of a corporate conglomerate, like where they, everything is about the bottom line, about the dollar. Um, I'm going to wrap this thing up. The other people in, uh, notable people, I noticed that, um, uh, Schwarzenegger's son is in it. Uh, what's his name? Patrick Schwarzenegger, um, looks just like him too. Like it, this and he and you would think that that was gonna be like the main guy, like they do with Homelander, but immediately that's not the case, and it's a twist. And um, like I said, every single character they give you a reason to care about them. They give you reasons to to invest in this show. So, like I said, I watched four episodes. I mm. recommend it. It's fun. Like. Um, but it also isn't just trivializing every aspect of, of these characters' lives. Like they, they go through things. They, if puts you in and makes you feel like these are students out of college, but with superpowers. Did you want to talk about Starfield as well? Mm -hmm. You could do that a little bit later. You, I, yeah, I'll do that later. I, Starfield I think, will be your, um, maybe your final word. Yeah, maybe that that's yeah. cool enough for a final word, but you guys go uh I want to hear what you yeah, guys Cam, are watching. What you, well. uh, what you got? I have watched some Netflix programming. The most recent one was uh the latest installment to the Castlevania series called Castlevania Nocturne. And uh I am starting to think for me, I one I am biased because I love a decent, it doesn't have to be overwhelmingly great. Decent vampire flicks, so or anything vampire related, I'll definitely lower my standards. But what that's it, <clears throat> uh, Castlevania is turning into like the Mission Impossible franchise. I like it. I like all of them. I, I haven't saw one bad one where I'm just like, oh, this sucks. However, I am far removed from the video game to really mm. like give like a, 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 a apples to apples comparison. But however, they have. Uh, 
captivated me as a vampire enthusiast. Um, and this show in particular is, I think it's set about three, 400 years after the uh, Trevor Belmont and Saifa and Alcard. Uh, is that, hold on, hold on, hold on. those are the video game protagonists or characters you just described? Because I'm completely, I'm dumb. Gonna, all I'm I know is the quick, name. Quick <laughs> um, in the first two series, it dealt with Trevor <clears throat> Belmont, Saifa, and Alcard, Son of Dracula. This one is, is Richter Belmont, which is about man, I want to say five to six generations removed from Trevor, and it's set in France and not in England. It's about three hundred years after the original Netflix special. There is one constant in this show, though. Alcard. What's that? He's gonna be. He, yeah, he, that spoiler alert. He's, he's in this one. So um, the cool thing, he's he's half human, yeah, half he's vampire. Yeah, Dracula's yeah. son. And and the original series uh took place with like Castlevania, Castlevania three, Dracula's Curse, whereas this one is based off the Rondo of Blood video game. And there is a um a character from another Castlevania game who used to be the former owner of the whip. Uh, that makes it a occurrence in this show. Uh, but overall, man, like Castlevania is solid. Like if you're a fan of the video game, if you love the first two seasons, uh, definitely check this out. It has the same character formula, a, a, a vampire hunter, a wizard, and a, a, a supernatural being. Um, but it has some, uh, we, oh man, on Twitter, someone called, they got black people in Castlevania and I don't know what they called them, but it sounded so racist, but it was from a black person. <laughs> I have to find it. But it, I was like, what? Like, cause you know, it's like the first time you find out they're black elves in, in uh, Middle Earth. <laughs> so we, we, we have black people in the world of Castlevania and people lost their shit. And then one of the vampires, I can't think of his name. When you, if you ever watch it and you've watched certain movies with indigenous people, you will recognize this actor. You can recognize his voice. You can even look at the vampire and say, I know who this guy is. I've seen him and stuff, which is cool. So, cause I think he's a native, he's a native American actor, but like his take on a vampire kind of reminds me of a uh, vampire Lestat. So it's pretty cool. Mm. Nice. Mm. And nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Josh, what you got? Okay. Uh, oh, before I start, um, as you mentioned, vampire stuff. Uh, Cam, have no, you I seen have The Last Voyage Please. of the Demeter? Yeah. I've been meaning to watch okay. that. That's uh, the little I, brief chapter in Bram Stoker. Yeah, I, well, well, we'll I've heard positive things, that. so I was just wondering if any of you guys saw yeah. it. Anyway, for sure. Uh, so I have for my one man review a tell two piece, uh, a television show and a film. Uh, we'll start with the film. Uh, I saw Expendables 4 last week against my, uh, <laughs> against my will. By the Oscar, the Oscar uh, winner, uh, Sylvester Stallone, amazing... I believe. <laughs> oh, yes. M multi, multi, several time Oscar winner to you, sir. Um, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's for television. <laughs> um, it's not that great. Um, it doesn't live up to the first bunch. I mean, the first bunch were just like popcorn films. It wasn't, you know, lots of guns, lots of Dolph Lundgren, lots of, lots of Stallone, uh, lots of one-liners, uh, lots of Jason Statham, 
He only did he no did Wesley this go around, three. which was weird. Um, okay. And I just, I, that did probably that's the last one I watched. I remember they were like, oh, wait, what were you in for? He was like, tax evasion. Not to cut you off, but it, it, how is Wesley health wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually been pretty good. He's just, he just, yeah, like, I, and, I mean, last I heard, you know he was fine. So then, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, he, he opened up a, a, a stuntman studio out in Jersey. And then. Yeah, I think he's doing yes, pretty, pretty well from what I understand. I, I just don't, I just think he's just kind of been low key about his career after yeah. the whole tax issue and all that stuff. But yeah. Um, and then also the fallout with what happened at the end of the Blade yeah. series and, and, you know, taking yeah. line to court, rightfully so, because of the way that movie was. And um, but he was in uh recently in I was a rep so he's in what we do in the shadows. Um is a quick cameo where he plays a vampire <laughs> named Wesley who is a daywalker. <laughs> please please go watch hilarious. that if you guys have not. It's that's yeah. a, that's one of those ones. It's, oh yes. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. you have to watch yes. what we do in the shadows. It is the office meets It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia meets <laughs> uh, Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> but, yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, that's rock solid. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's all the things that you expect from an Expendables movie. Uh, uh, Megan Fox is in it. So, new additions, Megan Fox, uh, some random uh, well-tanned uh, Hispanic dude who is replacing Antonio Banderas, whose name I forget, um, who does the same things that Antonio Banderas does. Which is, is this the stupid. first one that Dolph um, is in, or no? Is this the Say first it. Expendables the that Dolph was in? Or? No, he's been in oh, several. He's been in, he's been in like, yeah, he's all been from, from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, he missed one, I think. Him, he so might have missed one, but he's been in, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he might have missed one, but I think he's from he's there. He's been there from uh, from the start. Uh, uh, so yeah, Dolph Lundgren is there. Uh, what else is in it? Uh, oh, Tony Ja, which was uh, just yay. Uh, he was one of the high points of the movie. They gave him Tony Ja things to do. Um, but yeah, it just you know Stallone for reasons. Uh, they fake his death. I'll just spoil it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, so they fake his death at the very beginning of the movie. So he's not in most of it. Uh, and apparently he's, you know, they faked his death because, you know, covert operation, blah, blah, blah. Better off than thinking I'm dead. You know, yada, yada, yada. Um, Megan Fox is in it playing uh, Mrs. Jason Statham's character. Um, not really Mrs., but his girlfriend. Um, and so she's like the problematic, loudmouth, always complaining, yelling at him girlfriend. Megan Fox is, uh, the, is, the, is the one from Transformers. She was in Transformers. Then she correct. played Jennifer's, Jennifer's body. Body. She was she also in April O'Neil and the Michael Bay TV Ninja Turtles uh, double. Michael Bay did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're getting off track. We're getting off track. Yes, he did. I did not know. Yeah, we did not track. Continue, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's wow though. Wow. Uh, um. Yeah. It just you know. I mean. Uh, uh, so the fact that this is not a. Uh. The fact that this isn't um. 
up to up to the usual high standard that uh, Expendables is uh, known for. Um, it's it's telling. Um, I'm I would. Uh, I was right when I saw the the trailer. I was like, yeah, I'll just watch this when it comes out on TV. And uh, a friend of mine basically was like, yo, we're going to see it. And I was like, all right, well, all right, fine. I guess we're going to see it. And I had zero enthusiasm and I was justified in my lack of enthusiasm. Um, I think I don't want to say four is one too many just because Three should have been one too many, <laughs> but it worked. But three, one through three worked for what they were. Four does not work for what this is. Um, it just, it, it falls a little short. Um, the action sequences are great. Tony Jaw does Tony Jaw stuff. So if you want to see that, definitely watch it. That's, that's worth the price. That was the only thing I would say that was worth the price of entry. Um, but everything else was just, you know, like, there wasn't enough there. There wasn't enough there in terms of action to make you say, all right, like the other ones, there was enough. At, there was there were there were things that happened that were just like, yeah, I don't care how flimsy the 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 premise is. Yeah, I just want to see I think these that guys was the thing do was awesome cool things from before. It was and, like, oh, Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. It was very right. and but also at the same time paying homage to really at this point a bygone yeah, era of 100%, Hollywood. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. And you know, I guess the thing was that the premise for this one, Andy Garcia ends up being the 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 old school co- uh uh the, the old school guest star that pops up in this one and yeah, it's just it was it was so flimsy that it wasn't enough to prop up even the best action sequence in this film. So, you know, it, it was it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's it's for TV, not for uh, it, it's not something I should have paid 20 bucks to go see. And and then you watch the show more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I watched the Continental. All three episodes, they did it Sherlock, uh, uh, BBC Sherlock style. Uh, each episode is 90 minutes. Um, the middle installment was kind of so-so, but the first one and the third one are absolutely on the money. Um, that, the, the, the act, the main character is supposed to be Ian, Ian McShane's, uh, McShane's character. Yep. Young, yes. Young Winston. Yes. Yes. He's the, he's a young Winston. Uh, in late seventies, early eighties, New York. Uh, they make they make crappy New York a character. Uh, I really felt like I was watching exactly what New York was like when I was a kid. That's good. Um, down to the graffiti on the subway uh, cars. Um, how the subway stations? I remember the subway station looked. Um, so apparently the train station near the continental is wall street. Uh, I don't know what line, but it looked like what I remember. My mom worked on wall street, so she would get on at wall street. Um, and I remember the station looking very much, not, not identical, but I remember the station looking very much like that when I was a kid. Um, so like I said, they make old school New York, like a character in the movie. Um, the how we get to Winston taking over the Continental makes sense. 
Um, I don't think it needed three episodes. You could have probably done it in two, maybe, um, or two and a half, like a shorter episode in between. I don't know. Um, It's just those three episodes, 90 minutes of pop in and out. Which is the reason Um, why I was going to watch it, you know, because it's three episodes, 90 minutes a piece. In and out. Yeah, if you, if you, if you dug uh, BBC Sherlock, you'll it, it feel it has the same feeling of not too much television. It's just the right amount, so it lets everything breathe. Uh, I would say the difference between this and the John Wick film. So obviously, the Continental being set in the John Wick universe, uh, and this being a spinoff, um, it definitely has aspects of the John Wick universe in it in terms of uh in terms of the action sequences, the fight sequences. Um yeah, they 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 pretty much for the most part nail those. They don't make Winston like the crazy martial arts expert in his, you know, in his thirties or whatever. Um, you know, he's still wearing a cravat. He's still, you know, got the high collared shirt. Pretty much the way that you see Winston as Ian McShane, uh, uh, as a much older man in twenty in, in the twenty twenties, is exactly what you get uh, as the younger version of Winston. He's the exact same uh, in the in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, the high table plays a role. Uh, the guy before him is um, Mel Gibson. The guy the guy who runs the Continental. Bef- the New York Continental before him is Mel Gibson, and he's a little out of his mind. <laughs> um, Wait, you said Mel Gibson out of his mind? Mel Gibson, sir. Yes. Wait, a, a bearded, cravat-wearing you Mel Gibson. Two things in, in, the sentence in, in, in it's supposed to be shocking, but I'm saying Mel Gibson out of his mind, that's like a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, this is true. This is true. Um... So yeah, they nail they nail young Winston. Um, they give him a reason for taking over the Continental. Um, they give him, you know, you get a little bit of his backstory. You get a lot of his backstory, actually. Um, uh, they give you uh, Sharon's backstory, which I thought was really good, um, and how him and uh, how uh, Winston and Sharon uh, come together, uh, and just they create a, a whole other. Uh, cast of characters the same way that in the John Wick films excuse me in the John Wick films there's always a uh, there's always like a unique uh, what's the word I'm looking for a a unique sort of uh, bad guy guy. or or a unique unique yeah a a unique bounty hunter Um, there's an adjudicator she's very unique um like there so you kind of get introduced to you get introduced to sort of the origins of everything that you have seen in the first four John Wick films up to now um from from a 70s perspective uh you don't necessarily meet people from the high table beyond an adjudicator and her bodyguard um but yeah i thought it was i thought it was pretty good it's a little, like I said, a little bit more character driven than I was expecting, which is good. Um, and the action sequences are on the money. Uh, and there are black people, which is nice. <laughs> but yeah, I would say watch it. It's absolutely worth a watch. 
whether you've seen the John and, and the beauty of it is if you've seen the John Wick films, it kind of or not, it doesn't matter. You can enjoy this if you have no yeah. clue who or what John Wick is or what the high table is. Like they do, they do a good enough job of making all those elements stand on their own uh, and making it a good action TV series with reasons for everyone that's doing dope. what they're doing. Yeah, that's dope. Oh, I like that. That's like, uh, yeah, that's how I got it on the list. I got to actually do it. Um, all right. So we're, we're going to wrap up. We'll do some final words. Uh, Cam, you want to do your final word first? Yeah. Uh, F my Broncos. That's it. <laughs> hey, we, we wow. on this chat with one I'm and three teams or four teams. So <laughs> we, we on this. We, we together. Talk, talk. brothers. <laughs> That's all. That's my final word. Just try to get my football takeout real quick. Basketball season's back. LA Lakers, let's do it. But that's it. Non blurred lines, final word. Yeah. Shout out to You're the losers. My eyes water. Uh, I do my final word. I did not realize the Walking Dead universe is the Walking Dead universe. I was I was on Amazon. And then the you know the scrolly part where they just like they, they tell you things are coming up and they show like five Walking Dead shows. I was like, where did all these come from? I did I didn't know. I mean, I knew Fear the Walking Dead and the regular Walking Dead. Like, what? Why is there seven shows? I don't understand. And then you have freaking Maggie chilling with the murderer of her baby daddy, and they just hanging out like and just like this. What is going on here? They, they hit the road, not just hanging out. They hit the road, came up from the south to oh, New York City. I so they hit the all the way to New York City, City together. Where, where, where's the zombies? Who's eating they, Like, what is going on? I can't. I just can't. I just can't. But is that worse than Daryl being in Paris in France all of a sudden? Like this? <laughs> No, How do you get to pet? You know what? No, it's not. I just again. I just don't understand that there's a whole universe of Walking Dead. It don't make no damn sense. Zombie airways in Paris in a post-apocalyptic. What? Like I'm just so confused. I'm so confused. And I, but you know what? I love it for Norman Reedus because he's just like, yo. You give me the money, I'll be. This will be the Walking Dead. Daryl goes to space. I don't know. Normal reader is milking it, and I and I and you know what? Wait, has Walking Dead reached Fast and Furious levels of? of, Yeah. Oh, it's going beyond. It's It's going because at least it's approaching. At least Fast and the Furious, you can make sense of that because that's a that's a movie franchise in which you know again, okay, two hours of pure uh, poppycock, but at the same time, it's two hours, like not. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that Chris was stealing CDs in the first one, and now he's a a computer hacker. (laughs) And now he's flying a car in space. And the the truth is, you probably remember that he was stealing CDs because it was like 80 movies ago. So, like, listen, he's driving a car in space. That's all, like, listen, I just can't. Nothing else to discuss. The universe is. I want the universes to die. I want things to Musk. come out and then go away. That's all I want them to do. Yeah, the, the MCU did it, and then and then and to be fair, there were they called yes, them yeah, franchises, right. all them franchises. Right? So there were now it's just a universe. Yeah. Like, we're not, so. 
it's a universe of everything. But, but I think so. But I think everybody. So I think people, the studios are looking at the Marvel universe, air quotes, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and thinking, well, if they can do it, we can do it. And it doesn't like. Marvel Marvel is set up to be its own yeah. self-contained universe. DC is set up to be its own self-contained universe. All the characters in all they have such a wide cast of characters in both of them that interact with each other and cross paths and and you know, you know, uh, Spider-Man can be on yeah. one block and and the fant- and, and, and 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 past the the, the Fantastic yeah. Four building. That's how that works. But to have to build it from this like well, if they did it, then we can do it. Like it's not necessary. It's just it's, no, it's not. It's, it, it's but but you know that's how how that's how that is how Hollywood works. You know, yeah. One, one they, thing, right, and then the others just kind of follow suit. Yeah, yeah. I like. Well, if they did it, we can do it. That's that's Star Wars or or a few others but other than that there are no real universe it used to be this goes no. back to what we were saying earlier about capitalism it used to be when you had a phrase like universe it meant something right Stephen King built right. the universe a literary universe and 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 that has a certain expectation and it means certain things uh you had universes that exist it's just that and the MCU, to be fair, for phases one and two and a little bit of three, we're doing it the right way, right? Whereas you 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 build your individual stories and let them stand on their own, but you sprinkle a little bit of the greater s- scope in there so that people know mm-hmm. we're building for, yes, but you don't ever forget that this is Captain America's story. This is Iron Man's story. This is Spider-Man's story. Uh-huh. But now we've come to a point where we can't look at the Marvels. I just looked at that. <laughs> Whose story is that? Is that Captain Marvel's story? Is it Kamala Khan's story? Is it uh, um, um, my girl's story? My Monica Rambeau's story? Tiana Paris, Tiana Paris. Yeah. You know, like, who, who is it? Yeah. Whose story is it? And that's, uh, you know, anyways, you know what really grinds my gears? Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that was my, that was just my, I was just so, I was perplexed. I just didn't understand because I, I stopped, I stopped walking there a long time ago with good reason. And I was like, I didn't realize that it just, it, as a zombie, it just won't die. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Dan D, you want your, uh, your final word? Yeah, it was a little, it was, I guess, alluded to earlier, but um, I did, you know, I did want to say something. Josh mentioned that his friends pulled him into the Expendables 4. I want our listeners to know that that wasn't one of these three friends that did that. So we don't <laughs> abuse Josh like that. We actually. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Yes. Let it be known. <laughs> so we got to make that clear, but you know. Yeah. Let it be known. Yes. But no, 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 um, no. I was going to mention Starfield as my um, follow up final word. You know, I saw that uh, uh, I, a few listeners were asking if we actually did play the game. And I did. I played it. I played it all the way through. Um, the game is fun for anybody who's a fan of hard science fiction. I mean, it 
references so many of the great authors. There's there's a there's a star system called Highland. Like if you don't know if you don't know what that's referencing, then you you're not really a science fiction fan. But the gameplay is fun. It's really buggy, but I've become I've come to expect that from Bethesda. If you if you play a Bethesda game at this point and don't think that there's going to be a lot of stuff in the game that don't belong there. Be just waste like a coffee cup that you can pick up and loot and never do anything with. It's not worth anything. It don't weigh anything. You can't throw it. You can't do anything with it. It's just there. That's Bethesda. But at the same time, you get to fly your own starship and control uh, the different functions of a starship. You know what I mean? Like your drive and, and, and things like that. It applies all these applications of science and astrophysics and, and, and allows you to kind of be an engineer or a scientist or an explorer. Uh, at the same time, it has a really cool uh, overarching narrative, but you can literally play that game for 200 hours and never touch the main quest. And that's, <laughs> and it, and you will still be finding new things. And to me, that's what an RPG should be. And that's what an RPG set in space should be like. I, a lot of people complain that they go to so many planets and there's just like nothing. I'm like, hmm, you do understand that there's like there's a lot of star systems in the Milky Way, a lot of planets. And guess what? A lot of them have absolutely nothing but air and a little bit of gravity. So it's it's very realistic and realistic in terms of scientific thought about how these planets in our solar system, not in our solar system, but in um in our galaxy and other solar systems exist. And, you know, you encounter predators from other, but they're not sentient. So Starfield doesn't have sentient aliens, just, you know, predators that you encounter or whatever. But overall, the game is fun, solid. I highly recommend if anybody who likes science fiction and RPGs. If you like, if you played the Elder Scrolls or you played uh, the Fallout games, can I can I interject too. a little bit and I'm going to live up to my title real quick. <laughs> well, I knew you would. That's <laughs> well, why it's I, not a, a harsh no, critique really. of the game, but I had watched some yeah, it's a critique. No, no. Yeah, but it is a critique. Oh, there is a lot of yeah. critiques, and they are warranted for the game. The, the, so, I, okay, is- so one of the harshest critiques—not well, harshest, but one of the critiques I did hear was that the game does not get interesting till the end. Uh, like, really, really gets into like the fun part of it. Uh, fair. I disagree with that. I don't. That person must. Put a lot of hours. He's a part of our group chat. It's the same person that asked us, did we play it? And caveat to the audience listeners, that question was asked because we are hardcore PS5 enthusiasts and we are always Xbox bashing. <laughs> so he just questioned us. He was like, you really bought an Xbox? Like, yes, one of us did. <laughs> Yeah, I did. And then, you know, honestly, I'm counting down the days so yeah. I actually sell it back <laughs> off because the, the game is fun. But Xbox, wow. I, I just cannot get into it. It yeah. is a so terrible said, console. Uh, I'm sorry. There was, there was a few things that I thought were pretty cool. Um, the exploration detail and the comparison to the other games. But there was one thing I saw, the physics of it, where if you on a planet with gravity, the bullets fall, like gravity's there. And when you're in a planet with zero gravity they float i thought that was a cool science 
yeah. aspect of it. However, there was one thing uh, I noticed yeah. that when you go out of a door, there's a loading screen and that one, this is a small thing, but for a game that took a long time to develop so much hype, I still see in, in my opinion, based off what I saw, what I've heard from reviews, CP3, or excuse me, CP2077, Cyberpunk 2077, is still superior game, even though with all those bugs, uh, CD Projekt Red created a, a game that was, it started off terrible, but when I compare it to Starfield, Starfield looks amazing, but there's certain things you're just like, dang, this game been in development for this long, you still can't have no seamless world, like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, those things are really nuanced things. It's not gonna. It's not gonna prevent me from playing the game. It's just gonna have me play this I game a little bit that. later than I expected, because pre hype. Yeah. Yeah. So wait a minute. Question: oh, what, Are there any games that come out that are bug free these no, days? There, there are games that come out there that few. are not as buggy that interrupt gameplay. You know, a few bugs, and there's ones like it, it, this shit that came out. Yeah. Okay. Like, CP twenty seventy seven was one yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah, and Starfield does have those problems. It's not as is it's not as uh, apparent as from what I'm hearing about Cyberpunk, but it, they are there. I mean, they they have they're already talking about all the patches and stuff that they have to release. I've seen the bugs and and and, and it hasn't the only the one that's annoyed me the most. And I've read that I guess this is an Xbox thing. And why that council <laughs> sucks. So um, literally the, the interrupting gameplay thing, if if you come out back, because Xbox has this thing where you can do quick resume, right? Like they don't, you don't, if you, if you, Turn off the console and then turn it back on. They'll let you pick up wherever you were, wherever off wherever you were, even if you didn't save it. But with Starfield, that doesn't help because literally you'll do the quick resume in about two seconds after the loading screen, the whole fucking thing will crash. <laughs> literally just the the it don't even give you a warning. It doesn't even say like, hey, you want to report this to Microsoft? Literally, the screen just. And it's back to the Damn. home screen. I'm just like, ain't that a bitch? I was in the middle of a space battle. So <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta do all that over again. Thank you very much. But I'm just too much of a of a sucker for for the spacefaring uh um stuff. The one thing I going to your point, Cam, about you, they were developing this so long, still walk through the door, the screen goes black and then <laughs> come back up. Or the one thing that doesn't that I don't really like is that as far as I can't as far as I know, you can't but you can't actually take the ship into the the atmosphere and until the onto the planet or the moon or whatever you have to you'll see it and then it'll give you the option to click and then you land and it'll cut to the screen and then it'll, you'll see I wanted to be like actually take this the ship through the, through the uh breaking the in the atmosphere yeah. through the through atmosphere the layers through the magnetosphere and all that stuff and then land like I didn't want it to do it for me I wanted to do those things so this those details that I think um takes points away from it um but again 
there's so much in the game that even if that's annoying, you'll find some other stuff that that is not annoying. But it is an I guess it is an acquired taste because I'm hearing a lot of mixed things about it. But I think with time, when they fix the patches yeah, no, and all it, that the stuff, game had it'll a high get expectation better. And, then the, and you know, we didn't expect mm-hmm. these like bare yeah. minimum things to be apparent. It should, you know, the, the, will this prevent me from I playing the game? No, I'll play it eventually. I'll get around to it. So. Yeah, I wish they were Bethesda wasn't married to this idea of this being a Microsoft only thing. If that if it came out on PlayStation Five, <laughs> the game would be so much. Better. I'm, just, I'm just saying it would be so much better if that game was on PlayStation Five. I don't give a crap about not being able to mod and all that stuff. Leave that for the PC. I just need the game to function and be a good gaming experience. And that's what the PS5 has in Xbox. Mm. <laughs> and with that, we're going to leave you guys. Thanks for watching. Oh, wait, did you do yours? Oh, senior. Wait, I didn't get my, I didn't get my final Senior word. moment, senior moment. Josh, go ahead. Word. <laughs> um, so two things. One, shout out to New York Liberty. In the in the WNBA yep. finals, I've actually been watching. I've gone to the game. It was actually quite entertaining. I have. I've been yeah. to the Liberty game. They, did you know? Great. It's in the garden. Why? Why would nobody go Barclays. to the Liberty? Yeah. Yeah. Barclays, yeah, I was Barclays, Barclays when I play, when I watch play when I watch the uh, the uh, the game. You play yeah, the WNBA? Right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see, that, you didn't see the one that had the mustache all the time? That dog, that should, that should have been your final word. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing is um, uh, brief Final word version of one man review. I also watched <laughs> Twisted Metal. Do not That's do the, that. Uh, joint with uh, Captain America, right? Captain Mackey. I watched the Captain Mackey. I made it. I made it maybe three episodes, the and I was like, I, can't, no, I, can't. I don't watch no Mackey-led show. That's what I was. <laughs> I, I watched the first I, episode. I watched the first episode. I gave it, I wanted to give it a fair shot. I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to be <laughs> like Cam and be a well-informed hater. I knew going in, I was like, you know, this is probably a bad idea. And I watched it and I was like, well, why is it a bad idea? And I, and I went ahead and watched it. I, like I said, I wanted to be like Cam. I wanted to be a well-informed hater that I am now. And uh, I must tell you that it's uh, it started out cool. Yeah. It was it was okay. It. The, first yeah, the first episode will, I was like, interesting world will grab you. Interesting situation. I was like, I don't know how they're going to do this. It all yeah. kind of made a little bit of sense. Yes. Check from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes. She's in it. Uh, Nev yes. Campbell, main main uh, antagonist. I was like, okay, yes. this they got pieces. They got pieces. Yes. Yep. Oh, they got Nev yep. Campbell. Yep. Yeah, they had pieces of the puzzle. Yep. The main villain. Every and if you so. If you've played, uh, if you played the game, everything was cool right up until <laughs> the fat clown face guy showed up. I was with it. I was with everything that was happening until that dude showed up. And yeah, they tried to make him as insane as he is game. in the, in the, in the game. And it does not translate well. It, it, I mean, it's a comedy. So it ends up being comedic. 
but it's a little too goofy for my You know what's weird taste. is that Will Arnett did the voice in the wrestler Samoa Joe the, the body? Yes. Uh, the, 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 the actual yes. Uh-huh. So and it definitely sounds like Will Arnett out of his mind. I don't fool Anthony Mackie on too much, too many things. No, I, this is the one thing that you found one thing. Did it. Go. He pretty much did career suicide, like Luke Cage doing a dab when he played Tupac, and he says, "I'm Tupac Shakur." I was like, "Okay, I am never watching anything with this dude." And you know, uh. when, he, when he had a show, uh, Captain America. What is it, the, the Black Captain America? Goofy in the Winter Soldier, whatever that was called. Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Uh, Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Really, just told me I want nothing to do with this guy. I used to like him in certain things early career, Girl Six and wow. other earlier works, but lately, man, uh-huh. I, he's just not believable. I can't deal with him. And the fact that you watch it, a video like it's rare, rare video games translate the screen. I agree. I agree. But I but the first episode does sell it. I will yeah. give him that. Yeah, it's, it's entertaining. It's interesting. The first episode yeah, it's entertaining. Does sell it. It's interesting. It interesting characters that are not Anthony Mackie. Nev Campbell as a villain is actually kind of cool. But so, yeah, the the yep. I like that yep. too because she's the whole screen oh, yeah, thing all, with her like, being. But, but, the, years but the clown, the clown part. That's when it, you can tell. Like right when right when that happens, you're just like, uh oh. It's yeah, it falls apart. <laughs> It, it works for the video game, but it falls apart when you get to to that. And I'm a Will Arnett fan. Will Arnett can do no wrong in my mind. Yeah. But except for this. Yeah. Yeah, I like um, the you know what? I like art, yeah. uh, altered carbon. Just, I think Maggie was fine in that. He was fine. Yeah, I watched one yeah. episode. Well, no, you know what? I, I, I never watched that season. <laughs> Now, see, I include him and Joel Kinnaman <laughs> in this game. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Joel some bail because he's a jujitsu brother. <laughs> so I'm gonna give him some bail. Uh he got, he can actually whoop ass. But I've seen him at work. I just it's not memorable. And but uh, to me, I like season one of Altered Carbon. I thought it was cool. Season two, I lost interest. Season one was two, great. I, was like, yes. I don't need to watch this. Yeah. yeah. The I mean, first episode, though, because I keep saying I need to swing back around because they presented some interesting things in in it towards it, the end of the, slightly of the first season. Off. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, they, over now, right? they just the second season. Maybe I'll, I'll hit yeah, watch. Is, it yeah. only slightly yeah, pays off. Season in a, um an anime, which is good actually. Oh yeah, anime. Um, yeah, it's an anime. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty right. good. Um, he said the know white trunk okay. came in. <laughs> that is hard. He the white trunk came in. Like Anthony Mackie. He's the white Anthony Mackie. And Joel Kinnaman is the is the Joel Kinnaman is the is the is the white Anthony Mackie. The same person. One is white and one is black. Yeah, I got you. Check that out. I mean, I will say this: the stuff that I've yes. seen Joel Kinnaman in, yes. anybody could have played that role. I want to play that about actor, which is unfortunate because I feel like he has potential as an actor, but it just some something about his, you know, his portrayals just doesn't 
doesn't jump out. I think he, I think, I don't know. It's just not the right role. I don't know what it is, but I, I think it's there. I think he has whatever it is, but I don't think he's had the role that's taken advantage of whatever he's got. They keep trying to make fetch happen. They just don't, it don't work. They keep trying to make, well, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. look at Suicide. Look at the two Suicide Squad movies. I'm, you know, if he, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't great. He wasn't memorable. And going back to the first Suicide Squad movie, which is a bad film yeah, by yeah, all accounts. Everybody else, everybody else in that movie was memorable. And I cannot picture anybody else playing the roles that were played in those with, oh, with those characters. Oh, anybody could have been in all those roles. <laughs> well, even, yes. even Will Smith. Like he people made a big deal about him being what was his what was he dead? Dead shot, yeah. Dead shot. Dead shot. He was dead something. But he he even Will Smith, <laughs> I looked at him and I'm like they all, they all just look like they just accepted a check, which is what it what what it was. So you know anybody could have been. There. Well, supposedly, supposedly that movie had like massive oh, yeah. rewrites midway through, and the movie that we got is not the movie that. But the it makes me, it's even weirder because if that's what we got, then what was there was worse. probably uh, worse. <laughs> I, well, Maybe, maybe, I, but I've heard different. Supposedly, the original cut, the the David Ayer cut of uh, uh, of Suicide Squad is supposedly oh, in the works. So we will. Let's I guess stop we'll find out right now. Cam, you got to edit that part off the show because we don't want to encourage no more cuts from that abomination of a, of a, right. of a and, and, franchise. And with, and with that, we might have to stop it before we go on for another hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> the black, That's the my black fault. I'll, I'll take responsibility. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Black Joe Kinnaman and the white Anthony Mack. And I just saw the, what is it? The trailer oh. for Silent Night where Joel Kinnaman has no words. <laughs> it's a John Woo flick. It's an action joint really? in Christmas. Wow. And he, he, he like lost his vocal something, something. So he doesn't have to act. <laughs> yeah. And no, notice, notice the whole trailer. What okay. did they sell? sell you on? The greatest action director of all time. John Woo. John Woo. John Woo. I mean, <laughs> like the last I would actually make this episode called The White Anthem oh, Maggie, man. but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it as short words. Anthony Maggie has enough going on with <laughs> taking pictures with kids. He's, he's the big thing. I'm sorry. If you didn't want to take a picture with kids, bro, he said it. He said it a lot of that. I'm in agreement. If he, he has every right to not yeah. take a picture with whoever he yeah. decides he doesn't yeah, want to like, whatever, man. Yeah, I'll probably. Like, and, and what's, <laughs> so what's messed up is, and then we really got to go. Um, what's messed up is grandma came over, asked if the kid could take a picture with him. He said no. Auntie got wrinkled, brought the kid over. And was like, well, and then filmed it, and was like, "Would you please take a picture with the kid?" And he said, "Absolutely not." 
That's just right. It does like you don't have perpetual access to actors just because they're actors, just because you know who they are, just because yeah. they're celebrities. Pretty much, the man has the right to not take the lead. It's not yeah, his no, job. He didn't have to do that, and and as he said, her coming over that time didn't change his mind. But I was gonna <laughs> say really quick, the man lost me in Captain America when the soldier when every line out of his mouth was reaffirming that he was worse than, than Captain that he's weaker than Captain America. They're weaker than uh yeah. than Steve Rogers. Oh I do everything he does <laughs> just slower. There's company here. There's company here. That's what I'm talking about that. Don't, you, you don't, you like, don't say you that in front of company. They shoot at you, they shoot at me. Cap how do we know who the bad guys are? Yo, really? Captain America has to say, if they're shooting at you, they're probably the bad guy. I thought he was a soldier, brother. How do yeah. you not know? And with that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he should have been watching his dialogue. <laughs> As a black man, you gotta you gotta be careful. And so we saying. shall end on the uh, black Joe Kenneman. Black Joe Kenneman's uh, saga will continue somehow into the future. Uh, I don't want to slander him too much. He has a bar near here that I go to, so <laughs> where I live. So, uh, hey, well, you paying them? You paying? Patron. You're a patriot. You're patronizing this bar. You can say whatever the hell you want. Um, yeah, this is a, this is blurred lines. <laughs> the patron saint, Black Joel Kinnaman, and we out. <laughs>